Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. I'm from a remote location. Uh, that is because I spent the day yesterday uh, at the old ball yard. I was at City Field watching the Toronto Blue Jays take on the New York Mets. It was a pretty good game. The Mets won 5-4. to four. How about you? How did you spend your Sunday? Uh, my Sunday, I, I almost watched, uh, watched history occur. I, you know, Domingo Herman took a uh, no hitter into the eighth inning or yeah, well into the eighth inning he did. And, uh, you know, unfortunately was, was unable to, um, was in, unable to complete it, but a great performance nonetheless, you know, <clears throat> seven innings, one hit, uh, one or two walks and 10 strikeouts, just a masterful. And he had, and he had a four strikeout inning, I believe too, didn't he? Um, oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. On a Xander Bogart strikeout, he, he got on via, you know, Gary uh, Gary Sanchez just getting a pass ball there. Have a, I mean, we've got a great outing. I mean, you know, that's a big win for the Yankees. You know, they needed to take the last two from the Red Sox in that series. Uh, yeah, you know, he comes out. Mm-hmm. He comes out after, you know, it's it's four to nothing. You know, good on the uh, Yankees to do what they're supposed to do against, you know, a five starter like Perez. They were able to get three runs off of him, another run off, uh, off the bullpen. You know, Rugnet Odor is, is just flaming hot right now, had a home run in that game. Mm. And uh, yeah, Yankees, Yankees are, uh, Yankees might be back. I don't know. They might be. They're only, yeah, I mean, that was a big, you know, they had a big comeback win on Saturday, and Domingo Herman just comes in and shuts it down, and the bullpen finishes what he started. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, the bullpen definitely did not give up five runs in the eighth inning to give up the lead and lose the game effectively for the Yankees. Yeah, Jonathan Lewise definitely didn't come out, didn't come uh, into the game and give up four hits and then get taken out of the game. That was no. not a situation that occurred there. And Zach Britton didn't come in and give up the game tying ground ball and then the game winning uh, sack fly. That did not happen. Yeah, no, uh, no, 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 that's just ludicrous. And, uh, you know, we understand this is a, you know, the Yankees bullpen, very good bullpen. And yeah. they would not blow a 4 nothing lead after uh, Domingo Herman took a no-hitter into the eighth. Uh, that yeah, I mean, they've be been, you know, they've been nails all year. You know, anytime the Yankees have a somewhat, like, comfortable lead and that bullpen comes in, it's basically over. Like, you know, Chapman, Chapman saved that two-run game in Minnesota. He also saved that four-run rain, crazy rain game against the Angels. Uh, they went into the All-Star break comfortably with Chad Green closing that game out against the Astros. They also, then, they also they were one out of the way from winning on Thursday. They absolutely closed that one out, too. They uh-huh. had a game against the Mets that Chapman came into with a one-run game. They won that game as well, and they won this game. Yeah, I mean, with all those wins, I, I think they're like comfortably in the uh, second wild card spot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, 
This is just, yeah, good on the Yankees. We've, we've criticized the Yankees a lot this year, uh, and, you know, they've gotten a lot of flack, but I don't see any particular reason to really, uh, really dump on them, you know, af- after a weekend like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting three out of four against the, against the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, great series for them. Absolutely. And um, you, and you saw it in person too. Yeah, I was able to see it, you know, it, and it, it didn't, you know, it took away from me as, as a Red Sox fan, but you know, I'm, I was like, you know what, I'm watching some good quality baseball right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Yankees are, are showing me, you know, how you win games. And, uh, you know, that's an experience. That's a priceless, priceless experience. If, uh, if I must say myself, yeah. what I got to see in person yesterday was the New York Mets debut of a one rich Hill. Yes. That was yes. uh that was something that went down right after we recorded on um, Thursday, Friday, Friday I think it was. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. So that was uh, something that went down. Rich Hill traded from Tampa Bay to the New York Mets. The Mets were in need of a starting pitcher. Degrom is out for uh, who knows how long. They also have Carrasco out. They have a they're, they have a four man rotation according to FanGraphs with Rich Hill included. So. Uh, very interesting with what the team is going to have to do going forward. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was the first bit of news to uh, come out uh, since our uh, last episode. Yeah. Rich Hill it went to the Mets. This seemed to be a little bit of salary relief from the Rays, who had to pay him what two and a half million dollars this year. Well, they year. had to pay. Well, they just took on Nelson Cruz, so you know you gotta you gotta cut some weight somewhere else. Yeah, They're bringing they, on that huge deal. They traded for yeah, they traded for Nelson Cruz, so they had to get rid of uh, Rich Hill. Um, and uh, yeah, in you know interesting, interesting situation there is the Rays are clearly a competing team. They're not uh, sellers. But, uh, I mean, Hill, he had a, a pretty hot stretch, and then it's kind of – he's gone a little colder. I, I would say yeah. just coming back down to earth in I general. I mean, there's a there's an interesting correlation between when the crackdown happened and, and when he started struggling. Between April 26th and June 5th, Rich Hill had a 0.99 ERA and 49 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, so from his second start since the, the technical crackdown on, he has a 540 ERA in 38 and a third innings pitch. So there definitely seems to be a little bit of correlation there between him using the sticky stuff and, or at least, you know, the memo going out of when people can use sticky stuff or not and Rich Hill's performance. So, uh, you know, that may have been a reason why the Rays, uh, let him go. Uh, but he's now with the New York Mets, a team that needs starting pitching, and he made his debut yesterday, did pretty well. Five innings pitched, three earned runs, two walks, only one strikeout. But, I mean, you know, Rich Hill's not exactly the guy you'd expect to be striking guys out all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of puts the Raisin in an interesting situation, as they kind of always put themselves in interesting situations. Uh, obviously, they're – uh, number one starter who was, you know, a probably like a top three pitcher in the AL until his injury, Tyler Glass now uh, is out until at least September. So that's that was their biggest innings eater. And uh, now, like, 
and now with Rich Hill gone, there's not much left. It's like Brian Yarbrough, Michael, Michael Walker, Shane McClanahan, and <laughs> Michael, and then Michael Luis Patino, and then a bullpen game. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I I don't I don't think the Rays are going to come like really struggle with it. They've they kind of are able to. But there's no but there's no guy that goes out there and you're like, yeah, that's a win. Yes, exactly. That's the exactly. Thing. You're probably the most confident, maybe on a bullpen game. Exactly. I mean, which is fair to say the Rays are the best bullpen in baseball. Right. All right. Uh, so. It's yeah, the ace of their staff is is their bullpen as a whole, probably. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation to be in, uh, especially compared to last year, because you know last year the, they they had three very uh, respectable pitchers in there. They had uh, Glass, now Snell, and Morton, mm-hmm. and now there's you know you have not you. Uh, have none of those guys and you don't have rich hill who you acquired in the off season. So, um, yeah, it, it's just something to keep an eye on in general, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I like what the Mets are doing here, especially after, uh, DeGrom has been injured also, and... with the Rays. When is Nick Anderson coming back? Cause he was supposed to miss the first half. That's a good question. Uh, we'll he would be see. huge for a playoff run. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, yeah, Nick Anderson. We got to look up Nick Anderson news. He was, uh, I think he was made the All MLB team last year. Yeah, he for did. Those unaware, he had a .55 ERA in the regular season. And we don't need to talk about the playoffs. <laughs> it's not going on his baseball reference page, so we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, no, wasn't a wasn't a wasn't a big deal at all. Uh, all, all I'm seeing, uh, okay, the latest one is from CBS Sports on June 11th, and it said return not imminent, uh, but that was, you know, about six weeks ago. Uh, it's, yep. hmm, Anderson, uh, in parentheses, elbow, is throwing nice and easy, but is still quite a ways away, according to Kevin Cash, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, Tampa Bay Times reports. It's good to hear that Anderson is throwing. Okay, that's just analysis, and I think that's yeah, that's done. So, uh, on June 11th, he was, you know, a ways away from returning. So maybe a little longer than we would have suspected. So I wonder. Yeah, I mean, the Rays might get a bullpen arm at the deadline. Yeah. I I don't know what what they will add, but. I mean, it, uh, I mean, they've right. already made their big splash, so it's not like they really, really need to do something specifically else. Yeah, it's it's tough that um, it's tough that Fire Eisen is on the IL right now because mm-hmm. he's probably a, a big piece of that bullpen, and Colin McHugh is also now on the IL. So yeah, that's yeah. tough. Because I, I guess they did make they did already make like bullpen moves before the deadline back in back in may all right uh anything more on the uh rich hill deal i don't think i got anything else i mean it's very it was certainly interesting to see the rays 
you know, go out and trade for a big piece and then simultaneously trade one of their pieces. But I guess right. that's Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's that's how they roll. That's a, mm-hmm. that's how they roll. Uh, and the biggest news of the past weekend was uh, Adam Frazier being traded to the Padres uh, National League All-Star uh, starting at second base this past year. Uh, he's hitting 324 with an 836 OPS on the year. Also, these stats are as of uh, Monday, July 26. I know you know this is released on Tuesday because of a scheduling, an odd scheduling thing that happened. But uh, yeah, these stats are all uh, as of uh, July 26, 2021, before the game started. But anyway, uh, Adam Frazier hitting 324 with an 836 OPS on the year. He was traded to the Padres. He's, a, you know, it's interesting because he's a second baseman and an outfielder, and I don't really see any crazy holes, uh, at especially at second base, but even in the outfield. Yeah. But uh, I mean, what, looking what, what, at... what were your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I thought it was interesting because it certainly wasn't what we expected. But the more I thought about it, it does make a little more sense just because San Diego doesn't necessarily have any glaring holes on their team, really. You know, like they have a solid lineup. They have a pretty good starting rotation that I suppose could be better. But overall, you know, it's still there's still reason to have confidence in it going into the playoffs. And then the bullpen's very good as well. Yeah. So for if you're the Padres, you might as well go out and make some kind of splash. And they did so with Adam Frazier. And it is very funny how in the event that their infield is Cronenworth, Frazier, Tatis, Machado, all of their infielders were all stars this year. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It actually, yeah, this was um this was a an idea being thrown around is you know Hosmer might be might be uh, kind of he should be the odd man out. He might be being uh, kicked off the island. I mean, he's yeah. In, you know, it's, although it sucks because he... like statistically he should be kicked off the island, but the only reason he's not, Fangraphs has Will Myers being the odd man out, but Hosmer's the one getting paid. That's exactly. The problem. Like it's it's very stupid that in a playoff run, like a like a team with a legitimate championship window in a competitive division, you've got to play this guy because you paid him a bunch of money when you don't have to. I think Eric Hosmer should be the odd man out here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh he's someone, you know, it we might be seeing a, a thing where he and this probably won't happen, but there's a chance that he gets traded where, you know, the Padres send a bunch of money and also Eric Hosmer to a team and they don't get that much in return. That could be a situation there. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, Frazier's going to be there this year and next year. And mm-hmm. then after that, you know, Hosmer's almost like five years through the contract or something like that. Who wants a slow first baseman that exclusively hits ground balls going once going twice, no takers. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. By the way, you also have to pay him a ton of money for the next five years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It it would be tough to uh, get some get some buyers there. And Preller's done an amazing job as GM, but that's just the one glaring hole in his tenure. Right. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh pretty odd. I mean, my perspective on this is you know. Also looking at uh, trade rumors and what's been going on, like what's been uh, mm-hmm. what's been swirling around, is the Padres are like, 
in on a bunch of other guys too. They're in yeah, on they like Max, Max Scherzer and things like that. Cause I think the, the one, uh, yeah, the one, uh, one thing they could use is, you know, a very good, another very good starting pitcher as, you know, uh, Nelson Lamette has been injured. Blake Snell has not been what they thought he would be. And, and you Darvish has struggled lately. Yeah. You Darvish in his last four starts, actually, yeah, four, uh, seven, seven, three, two ERA in his last four starts. So, you know, he could use, he could use some, some help that rotation could use some help. And I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, the Padres traded their number five prospect in the organization. I'm hoping from a Padres perspective that, you know, that wasn't a guy that a team with a good starting pitcher wanted. And then, you know, they don't do a deal because they don't have that particular guy. I'm not sure if that mm-hmm. would be a thing, um, but uh, it, what, you wouldn't want it to be like a waste of uh, a resource. One thing I will say, I do really like uh, the the return from the Pirates uh, perspective. They got the main guy they got was a minor league prospect named Tucupita Marcano, I believe it is. Uh, mm-hmm. He is 21 years old, is in AAA. Actually played a little bit for the Padres in the majors this year. Uh, but, you know, he struggled a little bit. But for, he looks very mature as a hitter for a 21-year-old on paper. Uh, he's slashing 272, 367, 411, 811. 444, 811, excuse me. Uh, a 367 OBP when you're hitting pretty significantly less than 300 as a 21-year-old is very impressive. He actually has more walks than strikeouts, 27 walks, 25 strikeouts. That's a twenty. That's a twenty-one-year-old in AAA. Yeah, that's good to see. Yeah, so that's a very good piece, and he's also an infielder, so he can pretty much be taking Frazier's place when he's ready. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is going to improve the team, but I'm not sure it is going to end up being worth what they gave up, considering the personnel that the. Uh, Padres already had it's not like they had a huge hole and even like you know Hosmer at at first base he's been like an average hitter I looked at his OPS plus it's exactly 100 yeah it sounds about right so you know and I don't see them benching Hosmer completely so I think he's going to be platooning at you know in the outfield uh, maybe a little bit at second base uh it's going to be weird to find uh spots for a guy like this and i think they could have used uh resources like um marcano for a potentially bigger trade for you know a pitcher like someone like max scherzer but mm-hmm. uh we'll i mean we'll see how the week plays out in general uh you know who gets who gets what for what but it, it's it was the deal was a little weird a little weird to me but um you know, we'll you, you mentioned something. Uh, you mentioned an interesting stat with uh, platooning with Will Myers, though. Uh, right. Yeah. You go ahead and talk about that because I think that's important. Yeah, that was the one thing I found where maybe the Padres analytical team was thinking about um, getting Frazier. Was uh, you know, Frazier, of course, not only plays second base, but he also has had uh, some some time in the outfield. And Will Myers is uh, one of the Padres outfielders. And 
uh, Myers has a reverse split against lefties. His OPS against lefties is not good. It's a six. It was a six seventy as of uh, as of the end of Saturday. And Frazier's uh, OPS against lefties as of the end of Saturday was eight eighty two, which is you know about a two hundred uh, two hundred point difference. And Frazier, Frazier as a left handed batter does better against lefties, and Myers as a right-handed uh, batter does significantly worse against lefties. So it's an odd reverse split. That was the only like analytical thing I could have really. It's interesting seen. though. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, but that's really the only, uh, only thing I could have seen for what the Padres might do with their lineup, uh, at least against lefties uh, against righties. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. but anything, anything more on this deal? That's kind of all I got. Yeah. It, it struck me as a bit odd, but you know, Padres, uh, seem to be running a, a successful club. So, um, I'm, I'm particularly interested to see what lineups they put out there. I am too. I'm, I'm looking forward to those, uh, lineup drops, you know, two hours before the game, see what happens. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess that does it for the news, and we will be getting into uh, the reason this is being released on Tuesday and not Monday. Because uh, shout out to Kyle; he's, uh, you know, the nice, you know, the nicest guy you'll meet. He unfortunately had something pop up right when we were going to do Kyle's questions at a uh, ten fifteen a.m. Uh, he had a. He Hollywooded us. He had bigger and better things to do. He did. Nah, he 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 legitimately did. Yeah, he he had like I I have to go back to the text, but you know he was uh he's doing an interview series at the Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, but I mean you know above replacement radio Basketball Hall of Fame. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're not paying him, so we we yeah that's the only reason that's, you know that's we're it, yeah. We obviously have a much bigger uh, importance in the sports world, but you know, we don't, we don't have the money for him. He's just a guest, but yeah, he's doing a, he's doing work at the basketball hall of fame. If we'll have him, we'll have him plug that uh, at the end of the segment. Yeah. We'll, we'll let him plug that. But uh, you know, we're uh, as of this recording, we have not recorded, but we will be getting right into uh, Kyle's questions. So enjoy Kyle's questions. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. And here we are with uh, Kyle Belanger for the third edition of Kyle's questions. Uh, how have you been, Kyle? Good, man. Good. That's Is that my first question? How am I? I'm doing well, man. Mm. I mean, like, it's post-All-Star break. You got that little post-All-Star break hangover. Um, but the action sure hasn't stopped. I mean, like... Um, I'm going to talk a little bit today about uh, what I can expect. I'm asking you guys, you guys are my Sherpas up this, the, up the mountain here of my first baseball seasons and you know, my first baseball season in 10 years. And I got a lot of questions as we head here down the, uh, not the home stretch yet. Cause we're not quite there yet, but we certainly are going on the back turn. That's for sure. Well, it's a big week in baseball this week, July 30th, not 31st is the trade deadline. Yep. A lot of action already. Adam Frazier going to the pirates. Uh, Clay Padres. Uh, yeah, Padres, excuse me. <laughs> Clay Holmes going to the Yankees. That happened in between recordings today. Pretty good, pretty good move for the Yankees, in my opinion. 
Uh, but what are your what are your questions? What are you expecting? You know, um, so my questions are actually it's funny. So here we are, and everyone knows. I'm sure you guys uh, blew me up a little bit um, for my my allegiance to the game of basketball. Um, but uh, so you know, this is NBA draft week as well, and so um, my first question involves uh, the MLB draft, which we have, of course saw a couple was it like a week and a half ago. Um, and so, you know, here we are and, and we're ready to sort of make that final push towards the end of the 2021 season, which thus far for me has been tremendously enjoyable. There have been, you know, no COVID pauses that have ruined, um, any, any viewing for me. Um, and, uh, which is sort of a miracle in and of itself. Um, but I keep thinking about, you know, for me, I go back and I've said this many times on this podcast. Um, I keep thinking about like that Jackie Bradley Jr., David Price sort of draft era, when we knew there were some guys coming out of the college ranks who had the potential um, to not make an impact right away, even though David Price was fast-tracked when he did, right? Uh, but I keep thinking about guys, specifically guys who came out of the college game. Um, obviously, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker are the two that come to mind. Um, but but of course, you know, like the Henry Davises of the world. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could give me your expected timeline for some of these high impact, I don't want to say can't miss because those are really difficult words to put on anyone. For MLB draft, it's tough. It is, but we know, but we know guys like Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter are going to be here for more than a cup. Um, this is not, you know, they, they were not, you don't, you don't draft someone. I think wasn't the Henry Davis slot, like, um, like a, uh, $6.5 million signing bonus, right? Jack lighter, the pick values, like $7.8 million. Those guys, the days of like the Vernon Wells bonus babies going to like the New York Penn league are 20 years in the past, right? Well, the New York Penn League is very much not a thing. That's right, right, exactly. I, I, so, work, I, mean, I currently work for a team that used to be in, in the, that league. It's, it was a, and, as, as a Pittsfield Mets uh, a fan myself, I, I, I love me some New York Penn League. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, what kind of timeline in this era? Because this is brand new to me, this era, and I'm loving it. But I'm also not sure when I can expect Kumar and Leiter and Henry Davis, guys like that, to show up and stick? Well, out of the three guys you mentioned and just all college players in general, I'd say the guy that has the best chance of coming up first is Jack Leiter. Uh, Texas, you know, am I right? Texas? Texas Rangers, that's right. He okay. was the number two overall pick. There's, been, there's already been rumors that he could be in the game by late next season. I could see him starting out in double A or something like that, working his way up, and then I'd say maybe getting called up to triple A, like, in May of 2022 and then coming mm -hmm. up in September of 2022. Kumar Rocker has already had some injury problems, I believe. I think there was something that went on uh, pretty recently. So I think that's probably going to hinder him just because the Mets want to have him at full strength. And also the Mets have a good, you know, plethora of starting pitching for the next couple of years anyway. So it, it's not like they're in urgent need for it. Uh, Jack Leiter, the Rangers kind of, they kind of need a reason for people sh to show up, you know, brand new stadium. Uh, they're gonna. They're about to trade their most valuable asset by far. They're gonna need. They're gonna need someone to have you know the metaphorical house that so and so built to name that stadium after. And I think Jack Leiter is gonna end up being the first. He's gonna be the guy that they make the push for him to be that guy first, so to speak. Uh, Henry Davis, I'd say, stays down just because the Pirates aren't necessarily gonna be competitive anytime 
like in the immediate future. But I do think that they will get him in there before uh, guys like Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds are uh, before their six-year contracts end, even if they don't, whether they extend them or not. But I think Jack Leiter would be that guy. Yeah, I would. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask. I was going to ask a follow up to you, Chris, about about Henry Davis because of the catching position, right? I mean, he's drafted as a catcher. Um, does a guy like that, and, and obviously you're going to take this the whatever way you want, but like I know that you're you're really um, specifically like I, I love hearing you talk about sort of position specific stuff. Uh, guys like I mean, catchers being drafted number one overall feels like you know like a throwback to Joe Mauer. Um, it happened two years ago. Really? Okay. Henry Rushman from the Orioles. Oh, okay, that's right generational pick catching prospect i think he's the number two prospect in the whole league i'm that's one of the most anticipated prospects so far okay how about well, well, sorry chris i totally bogarted uh i mean to be honest i think out of the uh in in the uh baseball whatever analyst tools uh if there's if there were five tools the draft and prospects is probably my weakest tool so uh no need for for me to go crazy in depth but i mean uh you know uh, i mean you know there there was that uh number one pick two years uh two years ago but you know the pirates pirates probably had better options on the table had they been more uh financially flexible so you know they probably didn't even take the guy who they believed was the best it, they just picked the guy that they believed had the most uh value in terms of dollar for dollar um on their uh on their name so and, you know, the Pirates, uh, I don't think they're going to be competitive in the next couple of years. Um, so I don't see them rushing a guy uh, like Davis, especially as a team who, you know, is cheap and might want to uh, manipulate service time as well. So uh, that's kind of a, an, an ugly truth there. Can we just pray that that rule won't be won't be in by next year? Yeah. Is, is there a new worry about that? Is there CBA, a new CBA year? New collective. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's important for me to know. It's going to be a very, very, very important offseason for baseball. Well, I mean, we talk about the off, talk about the offseason for baseball. Um, I want to talk about a guy who's going to have a lot of work ahead of him in the offseason because uh, I was so disappointed and saddened by the Ronald Acuna Jr. injury. Um, and so I want to stay in the National League and ask you a little bit about how concerned I should be. Now, I know that that's not a catastrophic injury. I know guys come back from this injury. Um, but I also know that Ronald Acuna Jr. is uh, going to talk about a guy who uh, a stadium is built, um, you know, the, the, it was built, the house that someone so-and-so built. Um, Acuna could be that dude uh, in a city that is thirsty for that dude, right? Freddie Freeman's not that guy. Great piece, good, good professional. I like Sean Casey too. Um, but, uh, but so I'm, I'm wondering, um, how, how worried should I be about Ronald Acuna Jr.'s future? I wouldn't be too worried about it. He's had freak injuries before. Uh, this was kind of just another one of those. Uh, you just have to hope that it doesn't turn into what it's turned into with Mike Soroka. He had a very, his teammate, he also tore his ACL, I believe on a freak play in 2020. And that's kind of just had, he's had a downward spiral since then. I think he like re injured himself, like going downstairs or something like that. He's out for the rest of this year, but I think Acuna is going to be fine. He's only, what is he, like 23 years old, I think? 23, yep. Yeah, he's still super young. Yep. Uh, he's a guy that will, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Mike Soroka. He has had this downfall, but I trust that the same thing won't happen to with Acuna because what happened with Soroka is kind of is kind of just, you know, 
random bad thing after random bad thing. Like it's not it's not necessarily a planned sort of deal. It's not like a gradual process where it's like, yeah, this right. was bound to happen when you saw right. like it was kind of just freak accident after freak accident. Or a re-aggravation, right? Those are the kind of injuries that we worry about, right? Guy guy comes back too soon and then aggravates and then it becomes I mean, that's that's the albatross around his neck forever, right? That's not what this is. So I should okay, that makes sense. I'd say the biggest worry, and I talked about this when the injury happened, is this could symbolize the end of the Braves championship window because Acuna is not back for this year. They're already not in a great place in the standings. I think they're three games back of the Mets, which realistically they could get it done, but they've just had a lot of underperformances all year. Marcelo Zuna, obviously, he's not going to be coming back, and that's for unrelated issues. Freddie Freeman's in a walk year. So it is. there are a lot of question marks surrounding what the Braves are going to look like next year. And, you know, if Acuna is going to be producing alone, you know, he can only do so much as a baseball player. You know, he can only bat one out of every nine times. So it, there are question marks there. But I'd say in, individually, not as much to worry about. Could we could we maybe hope that the CBA allows him to bat more than once every nine times? No, is that not on the table? No. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, yeah. I think they're, they're more worried about a universal DH. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. Or no more service time manipulation. Or, right several other things to increase uh to <laughs> to increase uh, fan attention there are going to be six batters in the lineup but they will be <laughs> all dh'd for and uh we will have seven inning games with three ball two strike counts it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful pitch clock reduced to seven seconds let's go let's go I'm be honest i'm gonna be honest i am for the pitch clock are you I'm absolutely yeah absolutely so i went to a minor league game very beginning of the season in Hartford and they had like a 20 second pitch clock or something like yeah. that. And yeah. the guy, the pitcher for the yard goats was getting the pitch in by five seconds, which yeah. I, you don't have to be that fast. But I mean, like if you just watch some of these games and you time how much time there is between pitches, it can get up to a minute sometimes yep. when there's nothing happening. Like there's no timeouts called. It's not a foul ball where they got to get the ball back in. It's just yep. throw a pitch, comes back to the pitcher, walks around the mound for a minute, Timeout yeah. called, throws the ball. Like, I think I the very much for the pitch clock. Average game time is about to increase as soon as Chris Sale gets back to the bigs. I mean, we all know that it's gonna the average time is gonna go up by six minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh no, I you know, I think so. Here's where I'm for it. And again, I'm stepping all over you, Chris. This is po- I'm, I'm a horrible guest. Um, is when we get a generation of minor leaguers to the bigs who have just pitched with it. So we no longer have to monitor it, right? It's like the self monitoring. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, whatever, like uh, anyone. Yes. Pe- like petty theft at the corner store is down because we've hung those fake cameras for so long. People are afraid of getting caught stealing Swedish fish, right? Like we get a whole, uh, says, wait, is that just me? No. Um, uh, they're delicious. Um, People aren't, are, are, they're just going to pitch quicker because that's been the case since they were professionals. I think there's definitely something to be said there. 100%. I am very much for the pitch clock. I am very much for uh, Universal DH coming next year. No more seven inning doubleheaders, no more extra inning rule. Probably the most important thing coming up in the CBA is the reform of minor league treatment. Like yeah. that has to be, has to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure you saw ESPN had an article this week where a couple of Angels minor leaguers spoke out on the record and talked about how they've been mistreated and yep. how it's been particularly bad in the Angels organization. And, yeah. you know, it might be particularly bad in the Angels organization, but it's some degree of bad everywhere. 
And yeah. like that, they need to put the kibosh on that because, I mean, we're talking about an organization that makes billions upon billions upon billions of dollars of revenue every single year. Mm-hmm. And they're paying, you know, these minor leaguers uh, $1,600 a month, which is just not livable. I mean, it really is a, uh, a reflection of the system as it is, though, right? I mean, like, it's the same system that allows, um, you know, the uh, 16-year-old um, uh, uh, Dominican, you know, I'm not going to name a franchise, but a, insert your franchise here, Academy um, uh, players to be paid next to nothing when um, the bonus babies are two lockers down from them in single a um we you know dr- driving their new mercedes in right i mean it's that same system um and and part of i think the problem with baseball um and baseball will outlast all of us the part of with the problem of baseball is that all of it has just been it's fallen into the trap of why do we do it like that because we've always done it like that and, yes oh my god yes 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 yeah. uh and th- there's that it attains to so many aspects of the game too. Like I've yeah. been, I've referenced this a lot on the show, but Chris and I are big into the advanced analytics. You know, that's what we sort of try to drive our podcast off of. And we have these talks of like, why do we still look at batting average? Because yep. we have for the last 120 years. Yeah, totally. Why do we still, why do we still look at errors in the box score, even though there's like one per game and they're not really that important most of the time? Yep. Well, because we've been doing it for 120 years and we've just <laughs> never thought about stopping, putting a stop to it. Exactly. All right, so let's talk. Let's stay uh, in the um, in the NL East here for a second because I have someone I want to talk about, someone I want to ask about, someone who I believe has the ex- exact same amount of service time with Ronald Acuna Jr., but I'm not sure how to handle him in my headspace. And I got lots of headspace. No, I love Juan Soto. Um, uh, it's it's Pete Alonso, um, who I think is twenty. Okay, but twenty, but but four years older. 26 yeah, years old, right? I mean, he's, I think, a Florida Gator, right? Won an SEC title. Correct. Um, uh, and seems to be the, um, again, I'm a basketball guy, the perennial dunk champion um, in Major League Baseball. And um, what do I do with Pete Alonzo in my head? I watch him. 40 times a year on TV and I don't get excited about him. And then I watch him one night in July and I'm like, this is why I love the guy. Um, is, 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 so here's my question. Who the hell is Pete Alonzo Two, Why do I care? And three, is this a good example of why I should stop watching the, the home run derby? I'll, I'll defer this one to Chris. Cause I've kind of been taking over. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think there's a difference between, you know, being good at, uh, being good at hitting, uh, home runs in the show and like being a, a batting practice hitter, not, you know, Pete, Pete Alonso is a great hitter, uh, you know, in, in actual live games, but he's figured out a way. Also, it was, it was a funny thing where, uh, like on the stat cast broadcast of, uh, of the home run derby. I knew you they guys point- would be watching that. I was thinking about you the whole time. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you whole kidding time. Me? I was watching with my boys and I'm like, hey, my boys nine and 11. I'm trying to get them into baseball. And, uh, and I'm like, guys, come on, let's just, this is exciting. This is exciting. Come on, watch. 
And the whole time I was like, I should turn to Statcast. I know, I know, Chris and Daniel are watching Statcast. We absolutely so, were. <laughs> so go ahead, man. Sorry, Chris. On the on the Statcast broadcast, they had, and maybe they had it on the regular broadcast too, but they had the locations of the fellow pit of the pitchers of the home run derby, and uh, I forget the guy who was Dave pitching to Alonzo. Dave, Dave, Dave Joust, Joust yep. was, I mean, nailing the spots. You know, doing, I mean, <laughs> he had Maddox precision uh, on Pete Alonzo. And uh, it was something to behold. But yeah, Pete Alonzo, like, you know, he's someone who is always at the top of the, you know, exit, exit velocity, leaderboards, uh, the barrel, uh, you know, barrel per whatever batted ball event leaderboards. You know, he hits the ball a lot. I'm trying, you know, maybe I should take a look at his uh, his strikeout rate. You know, I, I imagine. It's not great. It's, it's a, I believe, but... I believe, I also want to give Dave Joust a shout out. I believe he's also a Pittsfield Mets alumni. Ooh, so, I believe that so. That makes sense, I guess. He's a coach with the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, baseball savant is uh, being a little slow. Sometimes you oh, type no. in the, sometimes you type in the name and then it shows up about, a minute later yeah, yeah. or it's or it just shows down or it just shows up like five rows down it's like there's somehow other like five other people named pete alonso and the actual one it's like at yeah the bottom it's like well do you think people are here for this other guy named pete alonso who played three games for the brewers in 2014 not even yeah. the brewers the montgomery biscuits right like he like made it all the way to montgomery yeah i want to see yeah i want to see the pete alonso that was on the 1948 st louis browns affiliate <laughs> that was <laughs> That somehow made it to baseball savant of all places. Yeah, I, I want to see that. Uh, I mean, his strikeout percentage is actually like he's striking out. He's in the 61st percentile in strikeout percentage, which is that means he's striking out less, which is you know good. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say uh, on him. I you know is it okay that I like him? Is it okay? This is what I'm asking. Absolutely. Is it, okay. Let me tell you something, Kyle. Pete Alonso came up as the number one prospect in the Mets system. Uh huh. He, in 2019, he actually set the rookie home run record. He had 53 okay. that season. He beat Aaron Judge, who hit 52 in 2017. You uh-huh. probably remember that because it got a lot of media attention. Yeah, yeah. Pete Alonso's just been a, a premier okay. home run hitter. Here's what I time in the majors. Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to be that guy who's fresh into like the baseball party and suddenly like my favorite, like one of my favorite players is the is like the slam dunk champion. I'm like, I love Hamadou Diallo. Like. <laughs> he barely like he is he's he won a dunk contest kyle let's no, I get mean, Pete Alonso, like pete alonzo is a great player side of the home run derby he homered, okay. i was at the mets game yesterday and he hit a home run lots uh, of flexing right now daniel lots of flexing of where you've been i like it listen craig chris was at a much better game than i was yesterday where'd you go i was at uh i was at the uh most um, the world's most beloved ballpark, Fenway Park, to uh, yeah, we were we catch. were both at different ballparks yesterday. I almost caught a no hitter, it was crazy. That's yeah, and that he just <laughs> wow, how that changed, right? Yeah, <laughs> it became a very yes hitter, absolutely. You, hitter. Yeah. you know, you know, you know, you've got an issue when I was at Fenway a couple of weeks ago with my brother and my dad, and like it was, it was a great game. It was like that, I think they played Kansas City, it was like that 15 to 4 win or something like that. It's like a Thursday 1 p.m. game. Okay. Yeah, I ran into Nick, Pe- Nick Peronick actually was there. Chris uh, and I came. were at a previous Red Sox Royals game at Fenway earlier in that series. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, the last time big, I saw the last time I saw the Red Sox and the Royals live was at Fenway. Jimmy Gobble started for the Royals. Wow. Uh, and, and Pokey Reese hit an inside the park home run. So that's we're how long it had like been. Early 2000s? I, my guess is, well, Pokey Reese, so it was 2004. 
Yeah. Um, it was the only year that Calvin Reese was there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, so, so here's, okay, let me just move on here. Cause I know I'm, I'm up against the clock a little bit, um, which is not something that you say in podcasts. Sorry. Um, Toronto's about to go back home. Yeah, they are. Toronto has been really fun. Am, am I, am I oversimplifying the problem that this people are saying every, Oh God, that's a horrible hedge. I have heard, I've seen it written that when the Blue Jays get home and are playing in front of 16,000 fans in their home ballpark for the first time in two years, they will automatically slide into a better situation. I, as someone who's watched a lot of baseball, who's been in the media for a long time, I'm not sure it's that easy. Is it, should I be worried about the fact that I love the Blue Jays and I'm not so convinced that going back to their home ballpark in two years is just going to be a, 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 a walk in the park? So I wish you weren't up against the clock. I'll try to explain this as quickly as possible because there are a lot of moving parts to this point. Uh, when you look at the last time the Blue Jays were good back in 2015 and 16, uh, after they acquired David Price and Troy Tulowitzki, the, the mm-hmm. likes of those guys, yep. their stadium was rocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was loud. Like, it was borderline earthquake level in, in, the, in the Rogers Center. And, I, and, you know, with the, you know, the Raptors are not playing right now. The Leafs are not playing right now. All attention is going to be on the Blue Jays, who are a much different team now than they were last time they were in Toronto at the end of 2019. I think I looked at the box score from the last time they were at the Rogers Center, and there's like four guys in the starting lineup that are still on the team today. Mm-hmm. They've obviously gone through a lot of changes. Uh, so with that comes one thing that I've been particularly interested in since they started playing at these supplemental ballparks is that they've had a weird, really weird offensive surge, particularly at those home parks that no one else seems to have. Like mm-hmm. I, wrote, I wrote a whole article about this that I'll link to you afterwards, but they had a they had like a record breaking OPS uh, on fly balls at the at Salem Field last year, but then they were like perfectly average or like slightly above average elsewhere. And I think all their home statistics, uh, when you look at like you know all the offensive statistics, were like top tier in the majors, but then on the road it was like middle of the pack to below average. Interesting. So they're not going to be playing in those ballparks anymore, and I'm right. I'm definitely going to be interested in seeing what those home road splits look like, but I know that they are going away from a, a statistically favorable home ballpark for them for, uh, when they go back to the Rogers center. That's interesting. And uh, yeah, I think it really depends with the blue Jays on their success at home at how, how many people are going to be allowed to uh, watch those games. Obviously can uh, obviously Canada is in a different situation than we are here down in down in the states but uh uh yeah i mean i think that's the the big difference uh i think it'll be nice for the uh blue jays to have like a major league home i bet they were very compromised in a spring training clubhouse and a minor league clubhouse so they will feel like they're you know in a big league home and uh you know it they'll be a little more comfortable but i don't see it shifting their season too much this year next year i think it could make a little bit of more of an impact i'm not even convinced that like we've seen the end i mean like gosh canada was so good closing its borders and i mean good in a very relative way right um and like here we are on another upswing right i mean who's to say that that team isn't just trapped in canada um you know this could be you know with another surge happening in the states this could be this could be the wrinkle that I was gloating we haven't seen yet. Um, I will also say, as a baseball park file myself, one of the most understated, underrated best seats in all of baseball 
is third baseline at the Rogers Center with the roof open. I've been, um, oh, I've been there with the roof closed. Okay. Roof roof open. It looks like the CN Tower is going to fall on you, you when you it. sit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It it's, is very cool how close that place is to the ballpark. Absolutely like marvelous stadium. Like, it, the, like Rogers Center is in the Toronto skyline. Like it's yep. just right there. It's next to the CN Tower, which is the highlight of it. It doesn't get enough credit as a as a great ballpark. It really doesn't. It doesn't. No, it, like it looks it doesn't look that good on TV, but when you go in real life, it's like, oh, this is actually way cooler than I thought. Marvelous. Marvelous. Fun, fun fact, I've hung off the CN, CN Tower. Oh, you did that? Yep. I did that. Um well, they let you do that. They, can so we strap so they strap you to these harness you go to the top Daniel, of the Daniel, 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 this is Chris's story. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go I, ahead. Oh yeah, they uh yeah, they've it's a it's a you know, it's legal. I didn't do it's, one of those <laughs> like it's not like those like Oceans not, 14. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like those uh POV videos of like Russians who climb up onto tall buildings and then they get asked to come down by the police. It's not one of the, it wasn't one of those things. You know, you you pay money, you're you're in this giant orange suit. I should send a I should send a picture when uh when we're done with this, but uh you're you're in this orange suit like almost like prison garb and you have these um you have like you're you're pretty strapped up uh as you go onto the top of the tower it can you you the, lost the, me at top of the tower that is the, too much the straps um the straps are able to hold like i think 750 pounds or something like that uh <laughs> so it's it was fun I, and i was like you know I, this is something i kind of want to do and i and i did it and my my uh, dad allowed me to do it uh that was in 2018 so but coming up on three years ago so yeah it was a it was a good time they had you do like uh you did like you look over this way then you kind of lean over then you lean backwards it was uh it was an interesting experience i'll send i'll send a picture you're right at the edge <laughs> daniel if i gave you 25 dollars, would you do it yeah 100 percent Oh really? I thought I was gonna have to increase the bid. No, I would do it for oh, free. Would you really? Yeah. Man, uh, Chris. I mean, you it... ha you have to pay to do it. Yeah, <laughs> have to pay. That's a that's, the, that's the stupid part for me. <laughs> it's like I pay you to flatten my tires too. Like, no, thank you. Well, look. Luckily, I was to, seventeen. And I wasn't expected. I wasn't expected to pay for this venture. <laughs> if I ever go back to Toronto, I definitely do want to do that. <laughs> pay me to vomit on the tourists below. Like, no, thank you. I have no interest in that. <laughs> it's a great city it's a great city and this is a great podcast i'm really mm -hmm. thankful that you guys invite me back and again i want to apologize for making you wait today that is uh it's uh, it's very unme like to do um no issues so chris any of daniel's stories you want to try to tell and i can cut you off uh <laughs> <laughs> guys so, in... sorry so he was at he was at the hall of fame with me <laughs> <laughs> And we were doing a virtual tour. That's actually that's an inside joke for the viewers. That was uh, no, no, no. We, we told it on. We told or, oh yeah, show. yeah. We did tell it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just stories about me. <laughs> hey, are we going to um take a road trip to Iowa? Not in a couple weeks. Shouldn't the three of us go? Ooh. Yeah. All right. Let's get it. Let's do it. It's only like a it's like fifteen hundred miles. Someone figure that out. How how far are we? How far is Iowa from here? Uh, I will go on ways right now. I think it's fifteen hundo. If I just type in Field of Dreams, will it show up? I don't know if the sure. capacity is there. Like nine nine thousand, I think. Yeah. There's, I think that so Rogers Center is going to have sixteen. Oh, oh no, no, no. You nine. said fifteen hundred, not even close. Eight hundred seventy-one miles. Guys, come on. If we, we can, okay, it is eight thirty-seven. If we left right now, we can be there at six in the morning. 
uh, 12 of 6 p.m. That's what I said. Yeah. That's not what yeah. I said. Not That's I said. what I heard. Yeah, 12 of yeah. 6 p.m. It'd be a 15, 15 and a half hour drive. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'd get there by the time the game starts. Let's go. My kids won't even notice I'm gone. <laughs> by <laughs> which I mean, Iowa. I, was, I was two doors down for like 20 minutes today. They rode their scooters by five times just to make sure I wasn't trying to get away from them. This is where we are in our COVID journey right now. My children will not let me two doors down. They're like, where are you going now? Where are you going now? What are you going to the grocery store? Yeah. How about now? Food for us? How about now? How about now? We starve. How about we? <laughs> yeah. Don't leave us. Just don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you for having me. I got to bounce. I appreciate thank you. Right. So See you Kyle. Thank you for coming guys, on. Guys. Always guys. Always. I'll always come on. Thank you. See ya. And that was Kyle's questions. Uh, I imagined it was a good conversation or it could have been awful. Maybe we didn't even put it in. Maybe he was just too tired from all that Hall of Fame and he was doing uh, in Springfield. But uh, I, I imagine like the, the other two times it was great. And uh, he he always he always bring I think he brings the best out of us, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, which is which is always good. That's why we like to have him on. Uh, but now we get into the part that we have most prepared for, uh, which is, you know, players to highlight good and bad reasons. We'll start off with uh, players to highlight for good reasons with our, I guess this is a Tuesday, July 27th, 2021 edition of. How about that? And by the way, uh, you know, since this is being recorded a little early, all these stats are as of the end of uh, July 25th and yes. before the July 26th game started. Just a little disclaimer, as we said previously. But Daniel, uh, what's a player or subject do you have uh, to talk about today? Yeah, I got a subject today. Uh, not just doing one player. I'm just going to real check, really quick check if this team is playing a game today. So I could see that no, they are playing today. Okay. So in 2020, uh, this team had the lowest bullpen F war in baseball. And this year, the Mariners have turned their bullpen around. They've done a complete 180. They had, they have the second highest F war in the majors, 4.8 wins from their bullpen. They also have the second best FIP with a 3.55. The Mariners' bullpen has made a complete turnaround, and there are five key relievers who have made it happen this year. The first, in no particular order, is Drew Steckenrider. Uh, he has pitched 39 innings this year to the tune of a 208 ERA and a 285. And he's a pretty unique uh, attack towards hitters, where 24.2% of the pitches that he throws are in the, the zone, uh, slightly above or outside of the strike zone. It's not usually a place where people will go, but it's where he likes to go. And that 24.2% of pitches being thrown in that area, otherwise known as game day zone 11, if you are on baseball savant, is the second highest rate among the 363 pitchers that have thrown at least 500 pitches all season. The next I'm talking about is Paul Seawald. So this is a guy who was DFA'd by the Mets in 2019. And Chris, this year, he is 30 and a third innings pitched and it has 53 strikeouts. 53 strikeouts in 30 and a third innings pitched. He is a 2.37 ERA and a 1.70 FIP. And he has the highest Ks per nine among qualified relievers with a 15.73. That's right. The reliever leader 
in K's per nine, it is not Araldus Chapman. It is not Josh Hader. It is not Craig Kimbrell. It is Paul Seawald of the Mariners with 15.73. Next, we're talking about Kendall Graveman, who has 32 innings pitched this year with an 0.84 ERA. And his emergence this year has been largely due to his sinker, which is the primary pitch that he throws. And there have been 47 batted balls against his sinker this year. Zero of them, not a single one, has gone for an extra base hit. And among the 210 pitchers to have at least 25 plate appearances ending on their sinker, Graveman's 1.77 slugging percentage against is by far the best one in the majors. So he is one of the most effective sinkers in all of baseball as far as preventing extra base hits. Next, we have JT Chajois, who has pitched 29 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has a 2.12 ERA and a 1.82 walks per nine. And his role has been pretty uh, out there this year. He is particularly great in the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. He's a, you know, he's a setup man in a way. And there are 98 relievers in the American League to have faced 60 batters in the seventh, eighth, and seventh, eighth, and sixth innings. I went out of order there. The sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. 98 relievers to have faced at least 60 batters in those three innings. And Shajwa is the only one to have a sub-1 ERA. He is at 0.93. And then lastly, we have Eric Swanson, who has pitched only 16 in the third innings pitched this year. But he is an 0.55 ERA. And if you're, confused, if you're considering uh, expected statistics, wondering what those look like, the leaderboard for expected WOBA among the 530 pitchers to throw at least 200 pitches this year goes as follows. Jacob deGrom leads it. Then it's Craig Kimbrell, then it's Matt Barnes, then it's Corbin Burns, then it's Jimmy Nelson, then it's Eric Swanson, number six. 530 pitchers to throw at least 200 pitches. Eric Swanson has the sixth best expected Woba, which also translates to expected ERA. I have never seen a unit on any specific team have this much of a turnaround between years, but the Mariners' bullpen has done it. And we talked about them a couple of weeks ago, the team as a whole, and we weren't really considering why exactly they were looking as good as they were. We kind of talked about the offense, but this bullpen has been legitimately one of the best in baseball. And I'd also like to take this segment as an opportunity to walk back a take that I had in that segment. I said that uh, maybe it's time to move on from Scott's service. With the way that this bullpen has been going, I don't know if that's true because, I mean, yes, of course, the players are the ones having the success on the field, but you do have to, con- you have to, do have to contribute a lot of that success to the manager, who obviously – is doing a good job of managing them. But uh, that is my very long uh, Mariners bullpen segment. Mariners bullpen. How about that? Yeah, amazing. Amazing stuff there. Uh, yeah, amazing turnaround. Uh, Mariners, Mariners. by the way, just coming off a sweep against the A's. That wasn't uh, a sweep. It was a series win. Oh, a series win. Was it yeah. three out of four? Or uh, no, they did lose one. I know that. Um, they won on Saturday and Sunday. Let me check Friday. Friday. Da, da, da. Maybe they, they they won on Friday, and they lost on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a four gamer. Yeah. But yep. they took three out of four from Oakland, and uh, they're one and a half Houston. games back of the playoffs. They're facing Houston this week. Uh, this is this will be a huge test if they're able find a way to win a series against Houston, mm-hmm. uh, then that's a very legit team. Uh, and yeah, bullpen did not know about their bullpen and uh, gave us the, all now the, information, gave us all the info on, on, uh, on that, on that, uh, on that pen. Uh, my, how about that is uh, actually also 
you know, this is just a guy, but he's also a Mariner because, you know, they're just doing so well. We got to talk about the Mariners. Uh, my guy is Mitch Haniger. In his last 13 games, he is hitting 347 with seven home runs and a 1237 OPS. And since July 8th, he ranks second in slugging, fifth in OPS, and fourth in F4. Also in this span, his hard hit rate is 55.6%, and his barrel rate is 19.4%. Wow. And uh, lastly, in this span, he is tied for the third most barrels hit in baseball. So Mitch Haniger leading the way on offense. Uh, he is getting a How about that? so shout out to uh, Mitch Haniger who uh, had a little hot streak uh, probably in the May in the May time frame dropped off a little bit and now he's coming right back and uh, yeah leading the way on offense uh, now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming so now for our Tuesday, July 27th, 2021 edition of Slightly Alarming. So who do you got on the docket this week? I'm sticking in the AL West, looking on the opposite side of that Mariners-Astros uh, uh, matchup this week. I'm looking at Carlos Correa because he's been miserable. Since July 4th, he is slashing 0.65. He is an He's an 065 batting average, a 120 on base percentage, an 087 slugging, and a 207 OPS. All of those are last among the 171 qualified hitters since July 4th. He is the only qualifying hitter to have a weighted runs created plus below zero, and his mark is at negative 40. It's that bad. It's that below everyone else. His average launch angle during the slump is 20 degrees, and his average launch angle before that on the year was 13 degrees. So he's popping the ball up a lot more. He's hitting the ball higher than he's, he likes to, and it's been showing in his results uh, on the field. So Carlos Correa has been struggling mightily lately. Carlos Correa. Slightly alarming. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because um, my, my slightly alarming has been doing particularly b bad also, and you he's also in the AL West, so I thought for sure. We had the same – that we had the same slightly alarming again, but no, that is not the case. But uh, yeah, Correa Correa was one of the hottest hitters in baseball, but you know, I guess I guess he wasn't up for Fourth uh, of July. Just you know, un-American. Yeah. Just really turned it down after that. Not patriotic. Yes, exactly. Uh, my slightly alarming is uh, in the American League West. He uh, plays for. The Angels, his name is Jared Walsh. Uh, he's, and also disclaimer, he's been getting a little uh, unlucky. I looked at Savant. You know, he's in his last 12 games, he's hitting 143. His expected batting average is around 230, but it is still a, a downgrade from where he previously was. Uh, in his last 12 games, he's hitting 143 with a 323 OPS. Uh, he has 13 strikeouts, one walk, and one extra base hit in this span. Uh, that's pretty bad, pretty bad uh, in a 12-game span. Out of 170 qualifying hitters since July 9th when this span started, 
He is 165th in walk rate, 160th in average, 170th dead last in on-base percentage, 167th in slugging, and 168th in OPS. Uh, so he's just overall been uh, one of the worst offensive producers of the past couple weeks. And uh, lastly, 41.7% uh, of his batted balls have had a negative launch angle in this span. Not nothing too crazy, but he is uh, he's grounding the ball a little bit more often than uh, than he would like, I would imagine. So, Jared Walsh. Slightly alarming. He was uh, he was another guy who was an all star. Who was this? Uh, is the uh, the all AL West edition of the show? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mariners, Mariners, Astros, Angels. Yeah. So, sorry to the Athletics and Rangers, but. You didn't get any shout outs, but I mean, I guess luckily, you know, if you were with the Mariners, you were getting slightly alarming. So yeah. I guess shout out to them. They avoided it. Uh, all right. So that does it for players to highlight. Now we get into a preview of the week ahead. Uh, I guess Monday's games have already happened. I'm going to get into series. Um, I'm going to get into uh, yeah series and there's some good matchups tonight too. Herman Marquez versus Shohei Otani. Yeah, and what I like, you know, you know what matchup I'll like uh, out of the Monday matchups is the, you know, don't throw it above ninety-one matchup. <laughs> I see it. Wade, Wade Miley, Miley and Kyle, Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, that's a great matchup. Uh, the the series to watch is. You know, you got maybe the hottest team in base, one of the hottest teams in baseball up there with like the Tigers right now, the Seattle Mariners going up against arguably the best team in the American League, the Houston Astros at T-Mobile Park. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be at least three games. Yeah, it seems to be three games as the uh, Wednesday game is a day game, so it's gonna be a three-game series. Uh, Mariners just won three in a row against the athletics, you know, one, three out of four in general. Let's see what they can do against uh, the top team in the American league West. Uh, that's going to be a fun one to watch and see. It's a huge test for the Mariners. It might, it might make a difference in how they approach the trade deadline. So this is a, this is a, this is a big one. What do you got for the day by day matchups? Uh, I'll, I'll look at Monday, even though it won't matter. Uh, of course you got the one I just mentioned, which was, Marquez versus Otani. You also have Luis Garcia going for the Astros. You have the don't throw it above 91 miles an hour matchup you mentioned. You also have Marcus Stroman, and that's about it. On Tuesday, uh, I would say you got we got Sandy Alcantara going. You have ooh, the uh, the Tyler Anderson, Brett Anderson matchup in in Brewers Pirates. Tyler Anderson might be traded, by the way. Very good innings eater for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You have Shane McClanahan going for the Rays. You have uh, Taylor Widener going for the Diamondbacks, who's actually been all right, despite the team being awful. You have, uh, da, da, what do you have? Dylan Cease going for the White Sox. You have uh, Lance McCullers Jr. and his nice slider going for the Astros. And you got James Caprillion going for the A's. On Wednesday, you have Tanner Houck going for the Red Sox. He's been very interesting. You have Zach Plezak going for the Guardians. You have... Willie Peralta going for the Tigers, who uh, we're not going to talk about what they did in Kansas City. That was they, they, We really jinxed them there. You have Sean Manaya <laughs> going for the A's. 
You have Zach Wheeler going for the Phillies. You have Max Freed going for the Braves. Uh, you have Lucas Giolito going for the White Sox. You have, ooh, I see a good matchup in there. Uh, you have Madison Bumgarner for going for the Diamondbacks. Tyler Male, Zach Davies going for the Reds and Cubs. Matchup of the day, you got Walker Buehler versus Anthony Descalfani in, in Giants and Dodgers. By yeah. the way, they always play each other. Wow. Feels like they've been playing each other all the time. Um, you have Eduardo Rodriguez going for the Red Sox against the Blue Jays. You have Taiwan Walker going for the Mets against the Braves. Uh, this is on Thursday, by the way. Garrett Cole going against Luis Patino. That's a good one. Carlos Rodon going for the White Sox. Luis Castillo going for the Reds. David Price and Johnny Cueto going against each other in Giants-Dodgers. Uh, and that's all that's announced that's good, really. So until then, uh, we got the trade deadline coming up. Yeah, exactly. David our Price. Last, I believe this will be our last show before the trade deadline. Uh, yes, it will be. Uh, all right. And it kind of worked out that, yeah, we're, we're going to be releasing this episode on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, trade deadline. For those uh, unaware, because I, w- I was not made aware until. I was not made aware until Chris told me. Until pretty recently, because like the MLB Network coverage is like July 30th, the trade deadline. And I'm like, what? It's July 30th make- this year. Because uh, apparently the uh, they didn't want all these trades to happen in the middle of the day. On a, on a Saturday, July 31st, and have to pull a bunch of players. So yeah. they made it July 30th. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be July 30th. So we're going to record an episode on July 31st on a Saturday. So we're going to release that uh, over the weekend. If, mm-hmm. uh, if anyone... We're going to have some guests on that one as well. Yes. Two uh, straight we're... shows with guests. Yeah, we're going to, yeah. We're turning it up uh, with the guests lately. So that's going to be great. Uh, you may know them, not to spoil anything, but you may know a couple of them. You, you may know them from the all-time draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to that one. And uh, yeah, we'll be releasing that probably on Saturday. So uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Giants. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel, Daniel underscore Curran. Uh, also, our guest uh, is at Kyle Belanger one on Twitter. Uh, I don't know uh, Instagram and what have you, but we will probably ask him uh, on uh, on our segment, which is still being recorded later even though it happened in the past uh but and uh yeah if yeah we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on saturday where we were talking uh trade deadline the end of trades all of it is over at that point there will be no more trades yes no more trades see you then